0: And shares week two with us, allow me to just kind of summarize week one for you. The most quoted verse used during Christmas time is Isaiah seven fourteen. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. When I started putting what I thought was the Christmas series together, I wrote down the words, Emmanuel, God with us. Simple, classic. I can do that. And then all of a sudden, God started stirring within me a curiosity for the two different ways I've seen the word Emmanuel spelled. Have you noticed that? Sometimes it's spelled I-M-M-A-N-U-E-L. And sometimes it's spelled E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L. So I started digging into it, and I'm like, what is going on? Well, I found out that I am Emmanuel, Emmanuel was Old Testament. That's the Hebrew way of spelling Emmanuel. And E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L was the Greek way to spell Emmanuel. So even though this simple little girl here had never taken an English class in my life, yet graduated, I started breaking apart the word Emmanuel, I-M-M-A-N-U-E-L, and the word Emmanuel, E M. M-A-N-U-E-L. And the Old Testament in the Hebrew, Immanuel, I am, that prefix there, means with. And then the subject, man. And then U-E-L, the definition of that means the desire and will of God. So the Old Testament Emmanuel, actually a more defined definition of that, would be it's God's desire and will to be with man. And then Emmanuel, the New Testament, written in Greek, when I separated that up, the E-M in Greek means in. So man, and then U-E-L, meaning the desire and will of God. So in the New Testament, Emmanuel, in the Greek spelling of it, means God's will and desire is to be in man. So when you look at that, The separation from the Old Testament and the New Testament, Old Testament God was with man, and the New Testament God is in man, took place when Jesus was born, when God became man. From the beginning of time, God's desire and will was to be with man, become man, and then be in man. So over the next few weeks, this is where this Christmas series emerged, God and Us. We'll be looking at God with us, God in us, and then on Christmas Eve, I'll discuss God became us. So again, like I said last week, I kind of laid a foundation for the series because God always builds upon his word. Line upon line, precept upon precept, it says in Isaiah 28. The Old Testament was not erased when the New Testament came into existence. The Old Testament was fulfilled by the New Testament. It laid a foundation for the better things to come, it says in Hebrews, the salvation of man. Think about it like this. When Jesus was on the, gave the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, how did he, he described everything by saying, you've heard it said. In the law, it states. He didn't say, oh, forget that. Don't ever do that again. Because I'm going to tell you something new. No, he said, build upon it. He said, it was all about your outward acts before. God was with us before. But now God wants to be in us. And so it, it matters what comes out of us. So just because you've heard it said, do not commit murder. Now I'm saying even within your heart of hearts, don't even hate a brother. See how he built upon it. So before you can even begin to understand God with us or God in us or God became us, you need to lay a foundation for this series first and realize or understand who God is to you. Your relationship with God. Otherwise, none of this makes sense. Relationship is the difference between knowing and guessing, between questioning and trusting. Relationship is the foundation that helps you walk through the tough times, the unknown times. From Emmanuel, God with us, to Emmanuel, God in us, is the great sacrifice that God made for you. God became us. God sent his son to take away your sin and restore the broken relationship between you and God. God's desire and his will is to have a personal relationship with you. God's desire and will is to be your God. Not your mom's God, not your father's God, not the God in the church once a week down the road. But to be your God like jacob we talked about the scripture where he was on his trip to go find his wife and his father laid out this blessing for him and he went on his little trip there and he laid down his head and then god revealed himself to him and said you know what your father just told you i'm going to do that and jacob woke up and he said you know what god if you're going to be with me then no longer will i call you the god of my father i'm going to call you and i'll make a covenant you'll be my God. That's the kind of relationship. The invitation for you and I is wrapped up and laid in a manger. It's right there. But the choice is yours. Again, your personal relationship with God will keep you in the midst of your storms. Those unexplained times of trouble and pain. Without it, you will question God. You'll question his will. You'll question his desire for your life. You see, if we're constantly just looking at thanking God for what he's done, but when things aren't going well, we quickly look at what he hasn't done, we begin to question him. We begin to question his will. But when you praise God, praising God for who he is, it doesn't matter what storm you're going through because he's unchangeable. His nature is he is a good, good father. Not when, not if, he is. When we praise his nature and his character, who you are, God, it says that it opens a gate, praises a gate. A place of entry where the king of glory will come in and invade your situation. Don't ever forget that praise is the father of breakthrough. In Psalms 149, 5-6, the Passion Translation says it this way, His godly lovers triumph in the glory of God, and their joyful praises will rise even while others sleep. God's high and holy praises fill their mouths, for their shouted praises are their weapons of war. You have to understand your relationship with God as a foundation. Who is God to you? Is God your God? And then the God who's with us, the God who's in us, the God who became us is now a personal expression of who God is to you. So listen up as Pastor Neil brings week two, God with us.
1: Hey, thank you, Pastor Brenda. Wow, that was. This is good. I'm going to try the best um, I can to allow the Holy Spirit to build uh, the foundation here. You guys look kind of... Can I start them with a joke, Pastor Brenda? Because yeah, the joy of the Lord your strength, you know, and, and laughter is like good medicine. So let me give you some medicine. There was um, these three guys that went up into Alaska to go salmon fishing. One was a Catholic priest, one was an Assemblies of God pastor, and the other one was a Jewish rabbi. And these three guys were friends, and they got to challenging each other and giving each other a hard time, and they were seeing all these bears all over, so they said, hey, this is it, this is a challenge, let's see if we can convert the bears to our religion. So the Catholic priest comes back and he says, you guys won't believe this, but not only is my bear... A converted Catholic, but he's taking his first communion next week. And like, Yay! Okay. And then the <clears throat> assemblies of God pastor, he says, Yeah, but my bear is born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And I was like, Yeah. And then they look at the <clears throat> Jewish rabbi who's all bandaged up and all on this gurney and looking pretty rough. Looks like he's all broken up. Looks like he got in a fight with a bear. And he says, I should not have started with circumcision. <laughs> So, uh, thank you lord just make <laughs> Ooh, make this message simple and build foundations in the name of jesus thank you lord thank you lord hallelujah well the the total the the meanings that uh, pastor brenda gave are so cool but i want to just take it one there's one more word in the I manual, I, the one with the I, and that is, it's his purpose and desire of God that he is with us. Um, they don't usually put that is in there, but God's purpose, his will for you, is that he is with you. And that is the coolest thing. And this starts in Genesis and goes all the way to Revelation, that the whole purpose for you ever being born and put on this earth is that it's his purpose and will for you individually that he is with you. And if you just get that one point, that will be the foundation that will take you into the next two messages. See, many people have grown up, grown up attended church. You know, they've been in church, but they've never understood and known that God is with them. And that's his desire. That's his will. That's why you're, you're created and born and put on this earth. He wants to be with you forever. Forever. And that's why Jesus came. We're to experience Emmanuel. Um, Even in God's definition of eternal life, when Jesus was talking to God in John chapter 17, verse 3, Jesus says this about God. He says this about eternal life. Eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God, and to know and experience Jesus Christ as a son whom you've sent. See, his longings for us have always been that we know, and that word know there is intimate. So he wants us to be intimate and to experience, means experientially means to actually have a union with or actually walk with or actually be with or actually be part of. He wants you for all eternal life, for all eternity, to be with him. That's what you're created for. That's who you are. That's why you're on this earth right now. That's why he put you in the place that he has right now. To not only walk with him, but then to link up with him. And the two of you do great and mighty exploits while you're here on this earth. Hallelujah. That's God. That's our God. So I'm going to go from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation and lay a foundation. And show you that this is his desire for you. And let you know that who you are, because so many people walk in this inferiority thing. And they walk in this thing of lost identity. But let's start in the garden. In the garden, it was the beginning of mankind there in the garden. God puts man in the garden and he says in Genesis chapter 1 verses 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So our original purpose was as they walked with God in the cool of the day and as they had fellowship in the garden with God, they were to have children who they taught These things and who walked with God and they had children who they taught these things to and they walked with God and they had children and soon they would fill the earth, subdue it and have rule over the earth with God. That's what we were put on this earth for. You and I, that's our ancestors, that's what they were all about. I often get off, and I don't want to get off too far, but what if Adam and Eve just would have just said, you know what, we messed up, God. We want to have fellowship with you again. I'm, we're sorry. But instead, they started blaming the serpent, and he blamed the wife, and they blamed each other, and they all ran from God. But matter of fact, it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God and among the trees of the garden. Why? Because they sinned against God. That word sin really means missing the mark or becoming separated from. And when you understand and know that God created you to be part of him, God is with you. Sin means that they separated themselves away from God by doing something that they walked away from God. God never walked away from them. Matter of fact, didn't he come again to walk with them in the cool of the day in Genesis chapter eight? We have the ability, and I'm not going to get into that message, through the blood of Christ, to have all of that restored to us. To walk with God. And maybe you've never walked with God. Maybe you don't understand this. Maybe you've never talked with God. But I'm going to show you how to do that before we end today see mankind has been running from the presence of god since the garden and there's a remnant that, that still walked with god but i mean you look at it and you look at when they went and moses went up on the mountainside and he wanted god wanted to have all the people to become priests and all the people to hear from him and they said no god no moses no moses don't, don't, we're not going to hear from God. You go hear from God and you talk to God and you come back and tell us what he said. That type of mentality followed them. God said to the people in the Old Testament, he said, you know, I really want to be your king. Will you allow me to be your king? No, God, no, we don't want you to be your king, you, you to be our king. We want a king just like the people of the other nations have. We want a man to be our king or a woman to be our king. We want someone. And so they rejected God again and said, no, we don't want your kingship. We want to have a person as a king. And you see this picture over and over again. Yet there was a remnant who still understood and knew that it was the presence of God with them. What they were designed to be. Mm. Thank you, Lord. See, he was looking for free will lovers that weren't robots that would walk with him and link up with Him, and live with Him for all eternity. And He still is. Again, that's who you were. So most of mankind has lost their identity. And their identity is God is with you. And I'm going to show you that in Moses. Moses gets this impossible task. I mean, come on, think about that. He comes up to me and says, hey, by the way, you're going to um, kind of take all these millions of people and you're going to separate them from the Egyptian king, the pharaoh, and he's going to basically let all the people go and you're going to lead them through the wilderness and bring them into the promised land. It's like, whoa. So one of the questions Moses has to God is this, and it's in Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. He says to God these three words, Who am I? Moses asks. Who am I? Is that something you may have asked, God? Who am I? Or maybe you said it a different way. What am I meant to do? Who am I meant to be? And these words that God answered are going to seem strange at first, but if you listen to what Pastor Brenda was saying, what I was saying, that you were created to be with God, God with you. Listen to God's answer in the next verse. At first it sounds strange. So Moses asked, Who am I? God's immediate answer is, Certainly I will be with you. Moses' significance, Moses' identity, our significance, our identity is in our union with God. It doesn't matter what our background is. It doesn't matter what our color is. It doesn't matter what our weight is. It doesn't matter. All those things, what matters is, who am I? I'm one who was meant to be with God. And so are you. And that's why you're on this earth right now. Your whole purpose in life is to be with God. Moses, again, starts leading the people out of Egypt. And God says this to all the people and to Moses. He says these words in Exodus 33, 14. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Isn't that cool? He's basically saying to them, I'm going to be with you. My presence will be with you. And when the storms of life come and when all this stuff happens, you're going to have peace and rest in me. I'm going to keep you in rest. Matter of fact, their clothes didn't wear out and when they were walking with him, none of them ever got sick. Talk about divine health. Forty years of divine health they walked in. Why? Because God was with them. God is with you. All the things that were available in the Old Testament are multiplied many times over because we've got, and I'm not going to get into your message, but it's better in the New Testament, I'll just tell you that. (laughs) Over and over and over again, we see this. The Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was supposed to be a picture to them to remind them of his presence with them all the time. And so the Ark of the Covenant got... Kind of taken by the enemy and got put into Well, so, Anyway, it was, it was not where it's supposed to be. So David goes and gets the Ark of the Covenant. He puts it on an ox cart and he tries to take it back. But somebody dies because David didn't realize that the presence of God was never to be carried on anything of substance other than us. The presence of God in the Old Testament was always supposed to be on, carried on the shoulders of the priest. You are the New Testament priests of God, it says. You are the carriers of the presence of God. God doesn't rest on ox carts or organizations or any other thing, He rests on you. And you are the carrier of God wherever you go. That is the picture. And David got it. And David understood this. And David later in life was called the man after God's own heart. David actually took the priesthood that where the priest went in once a year to offer um, for the sins of the people and they put, tied a rope to his leg in case he died in there with God. But anyway, they David changed it and here's what he did. He says, priest, all you priests, come come on, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have worship around the tabernacle 24-7, 365. We're going to worship and praise God all the time and the presence of God fell on that area and fell on those people. Why? Because they knew they were carriers of the presence of God. He took a New Testament principle and pulled it into the Old Testament because he knew that it was God with him that was so important. Just that it is it is with you. Let's, I'm going to go through a few uh, Old Testament and New Testament scriptures, but Anybody hear of Enoch? Enoch, in Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 through 24, Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he got Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. That is so cool in itself, 365 years. Can represent 365 days. You can really get into a really cool message on Enoch. Anyway, I don't want to get over there. But I'm going to go to another scripture on Enoch. It says in Hebrews 11:5, by faith Enoch was taken away, so he did not see death. And it was not found, he was not found because God had taken him. And before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Well, how did Enoch please God? We know how he pleased God. He allowed God to walk with him, and he walked with God. God with him was the answer. You want to please God? Here's the answer. God with you. See, when you take God with you wherever you are, is anyone bigger than God? God Almighty, the great I Am. Come on, King of the universe. What he's saying, God, to you is, I want to go with you everywhere. I want to know the deepest detail of your life. I want to love on you. You are my child. And we're going to do great and mighty things together. But I need you to come into my presence. Because I'm not going to force you to do it. And man's been running from God. And I don't understand it. Why would we run from God? Why would we want to live our own lives? Why would we... Set, by the way, how is that? Living your own life and being on the throne of your own... Never mind. Never mind. It doesn't go very well. God's saying, hey, come with me. I got great things for you. And for all eternity, all eternal life, you and I are going to be one together. And I got a great destiny for you. I got great things for you to do on this earth, you and I together. But we kind of do our own thing and go our own way. Let's look at a few more. Joshua. Uh, Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and be of good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What was it that brought courage and strength to Joshua? It was God with him, right? What's going to bring courage and strength to you? Isn't it the same God? No respecter of persons, right? Psalm 23, 4. We all know this one. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For what? He's with us, Emmanuel. God is with us, it says. You are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He, You were created to be with God. Zephaniah 3.17 The Lord, your God, is with you. The mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you, and his love will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you With singing and dancing. Hallelujah. That's a picture of God. He wants to rejoice over you with singing and dancing. He wants to bring you into his presence. He wants to have a dance vest with you. I know some of you, I don't dance real well, but you know what? If God wants to dance with me, I'll dance. That's that's another message we could probably talk about dancing. Isaiah 41.10 Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, I am your God, I will strengthen you, yes, I will help you, I will withhold you with my mighty right hand. God's saying, don't have any fear. Why? Because I'm with you. Think about that. I got a big brother, Jesus. I got a dad, God. I got his spirit in me. Come on. <laughs> really, I mean, what, what can be, be fearful of? when we get it and understand it and know who we are and what we're created for. Let me jump into the New Testament. Matthew, uh, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, what? I am what? Always with you, even until the end of this age. I am always with you, God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's, that's the love letter. He says that. He's always there with open arms. He's always there for you. The picture of the prodigal son is a picture of God waiting for you to return to him. And he wants to throw the biggest party. Mm. John fourteen twenty three says, Jesus answered and said to them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come and make our home with them. Wow! Jesus is saying, hey, if you love me and keep my commands, I'm going to come and God's going to come. We're going to make our home with you. What a precious promise to you all. Let me jump into Revelation because we went from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. I want to show you that this picture is the foundation of everything about you. Is that God is with you. Revelation 21.3, the end of the book the end of the love letter, he says this. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. That's your ultimate destiny. That, he's talking about you, and in heaven, that's what it's going to be all about. God will be with you. He will be with you now on this earth. And he's going to be with you for all eternity. One with you. Mm. What a beautiful picture of who you are. Our purpose, our identity. When we say, "Who who am I? God is with you. That's who you are. That's who you are. Quit living beneath your identity. Rise up and understand that God so loved you so much that he came out of heaven's glory to die for you so that he could have that relationship. He wants that relationship more than you ever do. And he's calling you and wooing you for more. More of him. He wants to give all of himself. He did it on the cross to you. And all he's asking is for you to walk into that relationship with him. See, it's a free will thing. You can go live in the world and have your own life and do as much as you want. Or you can have as much of God as you want. Because he's not going to leave you or forsake you. He'll always be there for you. So the reason why a lot of us struggle and the reason why a lot of us are in the situation we're in... Come on, you know why. You know why. You've walked away. You've done your own thing. Jesus' relationship with God. Jesus lays down his divinity. He lays down his godhood on purpose. Becomes a man on this earth... And then he shows us by example, how we could live, how we can get it. He basically says, "I will not do anything on this earth except I see my father doing it unless I hear my father doing it." And he's got all these scriptures I got all these I'm not going to spend time on all of them. John chapter 7 verse uh, 16, John chapter 8 verse 28, uh, uh, John chapter 10 verse 38 39, John chapter 12 verse, 49, John chapter, here, let me, and it goes on and on. Let me read one. The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does the work. It's God with him. He not only understood this, but he came to model it for us so that we would understand it, that we were always meant to be one with God and to walk with him in every situation of our life. Before the foundation of the world, that's who you were. Before you were ever in your mother's womb, that's who you are. And for all eternity, if you're born again and, and saved, that's who you are. So we're answering the question today who are you? Here's one Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Now, Peter and John, uh, John they're doing all these miracles. Matter of fact, the, the blind man was raised, and um, the man who was laying by the the temple there as they walked in uh, was able to walk. And so they said this. They said, these are the Pharisees. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. See, do you ever think that? Well, I don't have the education. I don't have the training. I don't have the background. I've got too much cinema. i got this. i got that. And you start making excuses. Look at what the Pharisees saw in these guys. They were uneducated and untrained men. They were fishermen. But they realized that they had been with Jesus. What was their power from? Because they were with God. They were with Jesus. Their power came from Him. The reason why they walked in those miracle signs and wonders, the reason why they walked in that power and boldness, is because they were with Him. Do you get this? That's who you are. That's what will come upon you when you understand and know it and begin to live in it and really access it and believe it up here, not the lies of the enemy. Take those thoughts, captives to the obedience of Christ, and get rid of all that crud and start believing who you are and walk in the destiny purpose which you're created for, which is to be with him for all eternity. And it starts now, not sometime up in heaven. You are now one with him. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Mm. God created you for intimate fellowship with him. Amen. Oh, thank you, Jesus. See, it's God's initiative, too. He takes the initiative to draw close to you, and then He's there with open arms waiting. And He's always there with open arms waiting. John, the one who put his head on his bosom, was writing in 1 John to the first century believers. And he said this, What we have seen and heard, we've also declared to you, so that you may have fellowship along with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. Basically, what he was saying, hey, Guys, we walked and talked with him. We've had fellowship with him. I even put my head on his breast. I know him, so I'm I'm talking from experiential being with him. Listen, here's the, here's what I want you to do: is have that same fellowship. Now, I'm really adding a lot there, but come on, that's what that means. And then First John one four, the next verse, it says, "We are writing these things so that your joy might be complete." How do you get complete in your joy and get out of the depression, the anxiety, the worry? To understand and know that you are to walk with God. That God is with you. In every situation, God is with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Mm. Our true nature and personality will never come to fullness. Our destiny and purpose will never come to fullness without getting this and understanding this and knowing this. And actually walking in this. That God is always with you if you've been born again. You've been born again into the family of God. And daddy wants to hang out with you. That's the gospel. You guys are getting quiet too. i got to tell another joke or something. Mm. I know, but despite all this glorious opportunity, you know, come on. I'm going to kind of get practical now and get down to the level where some of us are, including myself. You know, we miss it sometimes, don't we? Sometimes we get caught up in the things of this earth. Sometimes we get our focus off of him. Sometimes we kind of just miss it a little bit. But I want to show you how you can come back. I want to show you how you can live in this place all the time. Because that's what you are meant to do. I'm going to ask you a question. Are you regularly hearing God speak to you? If you're not, there's an issue. First of all, he's always speaking. Because this is his love letter. So if you can't glean him speaking to you through here, then you know there's some type of a separation. And we want to get those separations taken care of. Are you experiencing his victory? Are you seeing the spiritual fruit... That is produced when you're in union with him in your life. Are you? How do you walk with God? How do you get to know God better? Can I just share some things and I can share some things that work? Is that okay? So I'm going to get practical now with you. and I'm going to get a little hard on you maybe, but I want to just tell you the truth and give you some practical things on how to do that. First of all, stay regularly immersed in his love letter to you. This book was put together by God himself as a personal love letter to you on how much he loves you and how you can walk with him and how you can stay in communion with him. He's laid it all out for you here. And a lot of people think, well, what's a pastor think about that? Or what does that man of God over there, a woman of God over there, Think about that. This book is a love letter personally to you, and you need to learn to spend time in it. How do you fall in love with somebody if you're not even going to read their love letter? So that would be number one. Matter of fact, this is in Joshua one eight. How am I going to have success? How am I going to do this? You know, Joshua is standing before God, and God says these things to to Joshua in Joshua one eight. He says, this is the book of instructions. You must not let it depart out of your mouth. You are to recite it day and night so that you may be careful to observe everything written in it for then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Here's the answer to prosper and succeed and how to come closer to God. He's giving you a little diagram. He says, hey, I'm over here waiting for you, but I'm going to give you a love letter on how to draw you into me. Ephesians 5.26 gives this wonderful picture of the church. And the church is the picture of Christ's bride and how Christ is pulling the church into union with him. And it says in uh, Ephesians uh, 5.26, it says, To make her holy, cleansing her in the washing of the water of the word. He cleanses his bride and makes her holy so the two of them become one. By washing you, the bride, in his word. This is important. And I know I get, Ken, I was getting, you know, you got to get read through the Bible in a year. you got to read through the Bible. You've you got to have some type of program. And you got to do this. And a lot of people, I don't like programs. I just want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, you better get a program to know how to look, get into the love letter. Because how are you doing without one? Many of you might be doing good. But are you in the love letter every single day and several times a day? And if you're not, why not? And many say, well, I don't have the time. Every single one of you have been given 86,400 seconds in a day is a gift from God. And I want to ask you a question. I, I referred to the earlier service as if the President of the United States called you to an appointment with him at a certain time, and you were going to be able to speak to the President of the United States in the Cabinet and be able to talk to them, you'd probably get there, and you'd probably get there early, and you'd probably keep the appointment, you'd probably get dressed up, and, you know, a Secret Service comes to pick you up, and you're probably like, oh, this is so cool. But yet the Almighty King of the Universe is calling you into spending time with Him each and every day. But you say things like, well, my job, my family, my kids, my this, my that, my this... And pretty soon you've got all these reasons why you're not keeping an appointment with God. The most important appointment, I'm going to tell you this and I'm going to urge you, the most important appointment of every single day of your life is God. Period. Let me tell you that again. The most important appointment you have every single day of your life is with God. Period. Everything else in your life, everything else in your life should line up after that. You have to know that if you're going to grow in this relationship with Him. Because how can you relate to somebody that you don't hold that high? He's got to be held the highest. But what we do is we crowd up our lives and take those 86,400 seconds and fill it with all kinds of junk. And when you stand before God and Jesus, actually, before the judgment seat, are you going to be able to say, well, you know, I, I had a big family. I had a lot of work to do. I had this going. I had that going. And I had to get out and do this and that and you know, that isn't going to fly. He's going to say to you, I had great destiny, great purpose. I had, We had great things to do on this earth. And you weren't there. And you weren't there. I'm not going to say you're going to lose your salvation. I'm not saying that. Here's the other one that's most important, too, that people don't get and they don't understand, especially in today's society. If the church is open, why aren't you there? If there's a prayer meeting on Wednesdays, why aren't you there? What If you're not there, what you're saying with your life is that there's something more important that I should be doing. Why aren't you at every single meeting where the church is open? You know in the book of Acts why they had such power? They met daily from house to house and in the temple. If the church has a prayer meeting and you're not there, what you're saying is, I don't think that prayer meeting is as important as what I'm doing Otherwise, to fill that time. That's exactly what you're saying to God. And God says, my house will be called a house of prayer. If you're not at Sunday service, what you're saying is, the meeting that you've called of your church together is not important to me. I'd rather be out doing this or doing that. Now, granted, sometimes your work forces you to do certain things. I understand that. But there's no excuse. What you're saying with your actions is, I'm not putting you at top. Oh, I don't feel too good today. I got a stomachache, or I don't know, I might be getting a cold or something. I, I'm not gonna go. You have to make the choice to walk into his presence if you're gonna walk with him. Jesus put the church as part of the New Testament body of Christ. I can't emphasize that enough to you. Please, please reevaluate. Your time and what you're doing. Are you really putting him first? It says, seek me first, my kingdom first, and my righteousness. Then all these other things are going to be added to you. We're dead. Are we on? Testing. One, two, three. Okay, they're good. What's that? Boy, he's really, yeah. So, do you guys get that? People want to come to me and want help and for this, and for that, and for this, and for that. And they got their own life first, and, and I'm saying, here's why you're having problems. He's not first. He's not. Is it on? It's on. Hey, so we got to make him first. The Word of God, the love letter. You should be at every single meeting that's open in a church if you can be there, if possible. And if you're not there, then, again, why aren't you there? The church the church is actually has life groups and different things for you to learn and grow. And we've got different meetings where we're helping people to be discipled. And it just burns my heart. It hurts to know that where is everybody? And then I hear what they're doing. And it's like nonsensical stuff. That doesn't make sense to me, but forgive me. Maybe it does to you. I'm sorry I'm getting off track and I'm going to get in trouble here. The Word of God says in, don't go there, stop. Psalm 1611, in His presence is fullness of joy. Is everybody walking in fullness of joy? If you want to walk in fullness of joy, here's how it comes. To be in His presence and to be one with Him. That's how you have fullness of joy. That's what He says. Our true nature and personality never comes again to where it should be until we're with him. Hmm. Let me uh, go through a couple more quickly. People say that they don't have to be in church because after all I can meet with God in a, in a boat or in the woods or you know, walking, I can meet him on the golf course, I can meet him when I'm throwing the football around, whatever. That's your individual time with God, and that's important, and you need to have that. But you're never to take your community time where you meet together and, and try to put those two together and make it sound like it's the same thing. That's just the lie of the devil trying to make you think that you don't have to take part in the church. Pray regularly is the third thing. Daniel made it a habit to pray three times a day. Now, what happened to Daniel when he had a, a message? I mean, he had an urgent need from God. It says he prayed and God answered him immediately. Why did he have that relationship? Because he made an appointment to pray with God three times a day. I'm going to share some things in my life about appointments because actually, you could make appointments with God as the fourth thing if you wanted to. You need to make appointments with Him. And I was working two jobs, 16 hours a week, for a while. For quite a while. I worked midnight, so all night long, and then I worked all day long. But I made sure I put, made three hours of that day for God, that I had quiet time with Him, at least three hours of every day. Now, one, I had a one-hour time and a two-hour time. But what I did is I started sleeping only four hours a week, I mean at night. And in doing that, I thought, oh boy, I wonder how long this is going to last. Well, I'm going to tell you, I was refreshed, I was alive, and I was more filled with vim and vigor than when I was sleeping more. Why? Because he's first. My schedule doesn't trump him. I don't care if I'm working 20 hours a week. And I don't care if you are. You better make time with him first. You have 186,400 seconds as a gift. At the end of the day, can you give an account of how you put him first? Because they're lost. And they start again. What a blessing from God as he gives you another 86,400 seconds the next day. And I don't want to bring you into condemnation, but I do want to get you into Repentance and then start fresh and walking in His presence. So set appointments with God. It's very important. Well, that's legalism. (laughs) You know what? Do you have doctor's appointments? Do Do you get an appointment to go to the doctor? Do you get an appointment when you go to work? Do you get an appointment for a particular time to meet with somebody? Is there appointments in your life? Come on, that's not legalism. If you can't make an appointment with God, what that is is something else. Make appointments with God every day and keep them. Robert Morris tells a story, and it's really cool story, and I really appreciate him sharing the story, but he was about to get millions of dollars put into his church by this multimillionaire who sold a business. So he's about to get millions of dollars put into his hand, and they were just, um, just starting Gateway Church then, so The guy says, well, I need to meet with you this morning. at," And he gave him a time. And Robert Morris says, no, I'm not going to meet with you. Because I have a meeting with the almighty king of the universe at that time. And that's first. And so I'm meeting with God first. We'll have to reschedule. By the way, the guy was so impressed with that, he did give him the money. But even if he didn't get the money... If somebody's offering you a million dollars to break your appointment with God, would you do it? Please say, no, I won't. (laughs) We need to get to that point. But how many of us do this with God in our prayer time? Because we need to pray, right? So here we are praying. Let's say Deborah and I are building a relationship. So we're building this relationship, but we're kind of new at it, so we're doing it by phone. So I call her up on the phone, I say, Deb, I need you to do this, I need you to do that, please take care of this for me, do that for me, and and, 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 and and do this and do that. Okay, I gotta go, I gotta get to work, bye. And I do that every single time I talk to her. That's a lot of times how our prayer is. God, I'm praying for this person, I'm praying for that person, please take care of this for me, I'm praying for this issue in my life, thank you, God, bye. And you're off. Is that building a relationship? <coughs> Prayer is dialogue. Prayer is, I want to. you're supposed to tell him things that you need, but then you're supposed to stop and listen to him. God has a lot to say to you. A lot more than probably you're saying to him. He's pretty smart. He created the universe with a word. He's got all the answers and he wants to talk to you. But he's not going to talk to you if you don't let him. Most people don't hear from God because they don't let God talk to them. They got their own agenda. They talk, 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 all the time. By God. Stop it. And listen. And I will guarantee you that he will talk to you. He will talk to you. Pray. Listen. Make appointments with God. One of the last things here, and then we're going to close is this helps me tremendously this really helps me tremendously is write down what you think god is saying to you when you're pray in your prayer time keep a journal or keep a notebook i have journals that go back years and you know what happens in the journal when you first start journaling it's like how do you do this? i don't know i'm not hearing nothing from god oh boy what do you do so what you do, the best way to do it is maybe take a verse or your favorite verse or Something where God's showing you something and say, okay, God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Begin to meditate that on that a little bit and then write down what you think he said to you about that. What you think he said to you about that. Just write down whatever you think he said. Here's what happens. You start writing in the third person. You start writing, I think God's saying this, I think God said that. And it comes into a relationship where if you look at my journals and I'll let any of you see them, My journals now are in the first person. God is saying things and I'm dictating as fast as he's saying them. And I'm hearing first person from God's own words and I'm writing down what he's saying. And I can go back to those journals and I can do warfare with those journals. I can go back to those journals and when I come up into a situation where it's like, this is messy. Oh wait, I remember when he told me about this. I can go back and word for word hear from God. But it's developed It's something that didn't happen in the first few months, and maybe it's with you, it'll happen quicker, but I hear from God because, one, I make sure that the priority of my life is I meet with him every day, number one, every day. One time, again, I'll use my own self as an example, but I wanted to hear more from God, and this wasn't when I was working two jobs, I was only working one job, but I was waking up at 5 in the morning and going to about 7.30 or 8 and then I had to, things I had to do. And I said, God, this just isn't enough time. I need more of you. So I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just let you wake me up whenever you want and I'm going to get up. And I'll get up and we'll be together. So the first night, it was like 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'm thinking, okay, I, I made the promise. And so I, I, I would get up at 3 and then until I went to work and, and a lot of times... For months and months and months, it was three thirty, three o'clock, all the time. And I was getting not much sleep, but again, I was refreshed. And I would tell Deb, I said, Deb, in my time with God, it was like I could almost touch him. It was like he was all over me. He was like so close to me. He's all over me right now. He's on me. I can, I'm right, right. He's right in me. It's like I couldn't, there weren't words. Words. We're, I mean, I would get to, I mean, I'd be kneeling down in in the dark room, in the the living room, and just praying, and just thanking Him, and praising Him, and it's like He was, like, on me. (laughs) That's what God wants from all of us, and He wants to continue that through the day. And as you start building these appointments, and you start doing things like that, the thing is, is His presence always there. And it begins to build a relationship where it's 24-7, 365, where it's always, you can you can almost, and it's not, God isn't a feeling, but I can almost always, like, there's things that, like, I want to say right now, but I don't know how to say them because English words don't work because God's telling me in the spirit stuff, and it's like, I mean, I'll get around people, and I'm like, I get up in their face, and I'll, like, Chris, I'm like, I mean, you, and I don't know how to tell you because it's like God in my bosom, flowing. That's what he wants from every single one of us he's not a respecter of persons i'm going to close now and i got one more quickly but i want to get amy to start coming up the last one is thanksgiving and praise pastor brenda did a good job on that but thanksgiving and praise psalm 100 says you enter into the first you thank him you enter into his gates thanksgiving you enter into his courts with praise Here's very, something very important when you're meeting with God and you're listening and you're, and you're not hearing much. I then begin to speak, which, you know, if you're trying to listen to somebody, probably you've got to good to speak. But what I speak is I thank you, God. I praise you, God. You are almighty king of the universe. Thank you for meeting with me. Thank you. for. I praise you and give you glory for this day. Thank you, Father God. You are so blessed. And I begin to thank him and praise him. And in that place of thanksgiving and praise, says the presence. His presence just, He says He inhabits the praises of His people. (sighs) And He comes. And there's nothing else in the world like it. There's nothing that can ever compare to that relationship. Because that's what you were created for. And when you begin to live in the purpose and destiny of why you're on this earth, things begin to line up but it's going to take you going to Him because He didn't make you a robot. He didn't tell me, here's what I'm going to do, Deb. I'm going to make you love me. You're going to love me. I don't care. I'm going to tie you in this chair until you love me. I'm going to make you love me. Is that real love? He didn't force us to love Him. He wants genuine, right? This is genuine. He wants genuine love. Jessica said after the first service, it's not forced. It's genuine love He's looking for. So He wants us to fall in love with Him he's already fallen in love with you and he wants genuine love and these two lovers go off into all these cool destinies and purpose that he has for you because it's real it's not forced you have free will to come into his presence or you have free will to walk in your own ways and that's the call today that's the altar call today I know every one of you want more I want more I know you want more. I know you. this is touching your heart. I know the Holy Spirit's talking to you right now. And you know this is right. You know it. It says in 1 John 4.10 about God and His relationship with us. He says, this is love. He loved us before we could ever love Him. It was His love, not ours so it's his love that wants to woo us and draw us and shepherd us it's his love that wants to be on us and it says he proved it by sending his son to be a pleasing sacrifice an offering to take away all our sins all the things that keep us from fellowship from him all the things that keep us from his presence all the things that keep us from missing that keep us missing the mark Jesus came and died and can wash all that away all we got to do is accept his blood and walk in to the presence of a living, loving God. You were created for this. The Greek word in this thing that Jesus did, the sacrificial offering, means a cleansing, a satisfying sacrifice. That provides a covering or a shelter. He's provided a covering or shelter so that sin can't get on you, so the two of you can always walk together. In Hebrews 9 5 it says he provided a mercy seat. God's love provides the answer for every question for you. So I'm going to ask you a few questions that you may have asked. Why was I created? Here, let me tell you why. To be with God for all eternity and to receive His love. That's why you were created. To be with God for all eternity and receive His love. That's your main purpose does God really care about me personally God says his love is indiscriminate means that he's no respecter of persons he loves everyone and cares about them and he wants to share every detail of your life with you every detail as a proud dad he says hey how's it going I saw when you fell there I'm here to pick you up if you let me I'm here to share some things with you can I give you some revelation and some wisdom about this Come on, let's walk together. I know you're hurting. Come on, come on. I'm going to come alongside you. I'm going to be with you. He loves you indiscriminately. There's no one that he doesn't love more than another. He just says, come, let's walk together. Another thing he says is, I'm really... Is it really my choice if I accept or reject you, God? Is it really my choice this love relationship must be a choice it must be freely without compulsion as I shared with you about Deb you must choose to walk into it because he's already walked into it and like the dad and the prodigal son he's calling you out and saying I'm waiting here with open arms come to me I'm going to throw the greatest biggest feast we're gonna have a big party come come into my arms let's walk together I wanna have a party with you come on we're throwing a feast for you just come into my arms Mm. thank you Lord and the last one is, is what is the way to salvation how do I get into this salvation how do I get to this place and the answer is love became a man Jesus Christ who died and became a sacrificial offering and by believing in him and receiving what he did you now have been restored into a relationship with dad so if I can everybody stand if you can all stand Emmanuel God is with you That's who you are. Emmanuel, God is with you. He's been preparing for you today a more intimate place with him. A deeper walk with him today. This message is not by chance or circumstance. This was put into the heart of the pastor for a reason. For such a time as this. And each of you are called into a deeper relationship today with Him. Are you willing to walk into that relationship? He is there with open arms to you. And before we... I'm going to have to alter altar call in two ways. One, and the first one is is maybe, just maybe you've never ever had that relationship before with Him. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ in this way and understood it this way and understood that the separation that you have with God is because of sin and that the blood of Christ washes you from that sin and opens the door. It says the veil of the temple when Jesus died on the cross was ripped in two from the top to the bottom. God came and ripped the separation curtain between you and Him so that you can have free access. And if that's you today, you want that free access. You haven't had it yet. I just want to, with Heads bowed and eyes closed. I just want to see your hand raised high. Raise your hand high. Is that you today? Do you want to have that relationship? Is that you? Okay, I see that hand there. You can put your hand down over there. Go ahead you can put it down. Any other hands right now? Is that you? Do you want to have that relationship with him? It's open. The door is open by the blood of Christ. We're going to move to the second part of this altar call but before we do that, to that one who raised their hand let's all pray for them Um, I'm going to have you repeat after me Um, especially that person Father I want that relationship I ask the blood of Jesus Christ to wash me of my sins and restore me to God and it's God with me forever that I'm going to walk in thank you God thank you Jesus now to those who are brothers and sisters in Christ who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and have been born again I gave you some outline of how to get closer to him and I was tough on you I know but I have to be because I love you and I know that God has open arms for you to take you deeper And every single one in this room, we're not there yet, including me, including Pastor Brent, including anybody here. We're not there yet. But I know He wants to take us deeper. So if you want to get deeper into the Lord, here's what I'm going to ask. It takes steps from where you are to walk up here to His altar and to lay down on the altar anything that's not helping you get deeper with Him. It takes steps. What that is, is like I picture it as you walking closer to him and he's here with open arms saying will you walk into my presence and I'll help you lay down anything that's separating us anything that's hindering our walk. Matter of fact will you just walk into my presence because I just want to be closer to you right now. I just want to give you a hug. So I'm going to ask all that want to get closer to God. Just come forward, we don't have to pray for you unless you ask for prayer, and I'm gonna have the prayer team come up here right now. If you have specific prayer, the prayer team will pray with you. Otherwise, just come up as a sign that you want to get closer to God. And just worship as we close in worship. Worship Him. But were you willing in front of the public, in front of the people here, to take the steps forward?